Andrea. And I'm Aaron. And we want to talk about 2020. Yep. We launched Fresh Faith in September and we, you and us, have come together and we've reached how many? 41,800 people. With the message of Jesus. How awesome is that? Yep. We've had countless stories and messages come into us messaging either Andrea or myself or the ministry and telling us that God is working in their lives and you are making a difference in the lives of people just like you. Thank you for your partnership with us. We're going to start something new. It is Philippians. Yep. We're going to walk through the book of Philippians verse by verse. That's a little different than how we taught in the past, um, but we really think it will be impactful for you, especially coming out of 2020, stepping into 2021. We really want to fill you up with the Word of God that can transform your life in a deep and rich way. Absolutely. It's so important. It makes a huge difference. Yep. And so with that said, get ready because this is Philippians. Today, we're going to start looking at the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing to believers in a city called Philippi, which is where the book gets his name. But he's writing to believers in the city of Philippi, and he's writing from prison. So he's in jail for having preached the gospel. And because he's in jail, he has time to write. And he's writing to the believers in Philippi. And he says this beginning in Philippians chapter 1. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. In other words, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, and we're writing from prison to those who believe in Philippi. Notice how he phrases himself and Timothy. It says, from Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, servants of Jesus Christ. In that day, in that culture, there were servants and masters. Masters owned the home. They owned the estate. There was a lot of money being made in owning land and developing land uh, for crops and different things. And so if you were in the family of or owned the house, you were the masters. And if you worked for the family, you were a servant. And here, Paul, who is a free man, he's not a slave, although he's in prison, he is a self-acclaimed servant of Jesus Christ. In other words, he owns up to the fact and he walks in his humility that he here is basically stating, I don't own my life. I freely give my life to Jesus. I am his servant. He is my master. I will go where he sends me. I will do what he asks of me. And the question for you and the question for me, even in that one little simple introductory phrase, is if we declare to follow Jesus, we are self-acclaimed servants of Christ Jesus. We will go where he sends us. We will say what he tells us to say. We will do what he tells us to do. And luckily for us, we have his word to tell us those things, that we ought to love one another. But if we're going to be Jesus followers, we also need to be servants 
of Jesus. And I wonder if your life, if someone looked at your life and looked at my life today in this moment, would, would they not just say, oh, they say they're a Jesus follower, they follow Jesus, but they're a servant of Jesus. Is it evident that we are servants to Jesus? Well, it goes on and it says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, he wrote a nice little introductory, dear people at Philippi from Paul and Timothy. And then he says this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In other words, they funded his ministry. Their generosity is what enabled them, Paul and Timothy, to go and preach the gospel and to expand the message of Christ. Much like missionaries today, much, much like ministries today, the very thing that we are doing right now is because of people's generosity and partnership in the gospel. And then he says this, he says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to talk about this just for a minute. And I want to encourage you with this today, that it doesn't matter what you've done wrong. It doesn't matter who's done wrong to you. The same God that started that work from the very beginning will be faithful to complete the work in you until the very end. That the one who began the good work in you, it, the rest of it, the ending is not dependent upon you. But God will finish what God started. And if God started something in you, you can be sure that he's going to be faithful to bring it about to completion in the end. You can't maneuver your way through life to obtain the blessing of God and to accomplish the purpose that God has set you out to accomplish. It is not in and of your own strength. It is simply in and through the, the strength that Jesus gives that you will be able to accomplish the purpose that God has for your life. And if uh, what happens, at least in my life, is we take over our own reins halfway through the story. We come to Christ and we realize that we can do nothing good on our own. We realize that he has something great for us, that he has a purpose for our lives despite our lives. And then we, we take him up on the offer. We go in relationship with him. And somewhere along the line, we start taking the reins back to our own life. And we begin to take control over our own story and take control over the purpose that we have. And we have our own plans and we ask God to bless our plans. Instead of getting in on what God's already doing, which is already blessed. And we invite God into our work when he's invited us into his work. See, his work started way before we showed up and it's going to continue way after we're done. And we have an invitation to be a part of it. We don't have to be a part of it. It's an invitation to be a part of it. But God has invited us to be a part of the magnificent things that in his work that he's doing in the world. The work of loving people. The work of making the world better by making humanity better. The work of pouring love into the world. Making injustices right. Correcting wrongs. Making the world a beautiful place. And he's invited us in his work of what he's trying to accomplish, yet somehow we think in our short little lifespan in all of eternity that, that, that we invite God into our work. We begin to take the reins back. 
when the whole beauty of the gospel is that God redeemed us to invite us into his work. And we take the reins over and all of a sudden it becomes about us. And what happens is we completely step out of relationship with God, not even realizing that we've done so. Until we own up to our own selves and own up to our own mistakes and own up to our own reality and realize that we're not walking with God and we're not talking with God. We're asking him to bless what we're doing and we're going out and doing his work on our own because it's really our work. And we're asking God to bless us and bless us and bless us. And we're doing this and God make this way and do and instead of us getting in on what he's doing. And at some point along the line. We have to come back to the reality that we are fully dependent upon him and we'll always fail striving. We're always going to feel like we come up short when we strive. But God has not called us to strive toward anything but to thrive in him. And so the invitation is to leave our striving and to enter his thriving because when we try to do it on our own, we will always feel empty-handed. We will always feel shortchanged. We can't get enough followers. We can't get enough likes. There's not enough influence. There's not enough money. There's not enough power. There's not enough for us. So we're always striving for more, trying to obtain this feeling that we've accomplished a purpose, saying it's only because of God and God blessed it, when in reality, we were asking God to bless our purposes instead of us getting in on his purpose that's not just specific to us, but that is broad to the world and his mission and what he's trying to accomplish. There is a bigger goal than just for you. There's a goal and a work that God is trying to accomplish globally and universally, but he wants to do it through you and he's trying to get you in on the big thing that he's doing. And he began that work and you started out in relationship with him knowing that work. But now we take back over the reins of our own lives and we become the directors and we jump back in the driver's seat of our own lives. And that always lands us in the same selfish place. But when we begin to turn back to God and we begin to get back in on what he's doing and we get our perspective fixed, we get our focus fixed. Fixed. We get things back in alignment. We get back in the passenger seat and allow him back in the driver's seat. We put him back on the throne and now he's directing the script of our lives. You can be sure that you didn't blow it because if you couldn't make it great, you certainly can't mess it up. So you didn't blow it. You can be sure of something today that when you return back to God, when you turn your eyes back on God, when you fix your focus back on him, when you get back in on what he's doing instead of trying to get him back in on what you're doing, when you fix that, you can be sure that he who began that good work in you is faithful to complete it all the way until the end. That God is faithful even when you're not. Even when you have taken over, God is faithful to stay with you through the process because he is still doing his work and you are still invited to his work. And so when you turn the reins back over to him, know that the one who began it is faithful to complete it all the way until the end. Thank God that his purpose does not depend upon your perfection. Hi, we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts 
for your financial giving to Fresh Faith thus far. Your financial partnership has helped us together reach over 40,000 people with the message of Jesus digitally and physically. If you have not yet partnered with us, it is time. 2021 is going to be such a year of difference. It's going to be a year of growth, a year of um, life change, and just wonderful grace. And we believe that your financial giving can help us reach more and more and more and more people. Absolutely. You can do that by going to freshfaith.org slash giving. Freshfaith.org slash giving. Thank you again so much for your partnership. Paul goes on. And he says, Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He's saying he's thankful for them. He's, he, he's filled with joy because of them and for them. And I, and I want you to notice something here. Maybe this will teach you how to be a good human. Maybe it'll teach you how to be a great spouse. Maybe it'll teach you how to be a great parent, a great brother, a great sister, just a great boss, a great person. Okay? This is, this is, this is what it says. It says that it's right for him to feel this way and gratitude for all of them. Why? Because of their loyalty, their faithfulness to him their commitment to him through his imprisonment, first, second, for his defense and confirmation of the gospel. See, they stuck with him through his freedom when he was the guy to follow, when he was on top of the world, when everybody wanted Paul to come preach at their church, when everybody wanted to get around the great teacher, the great apostle, Paul. They wanted to be him. When he had everything going for him, they partnered with him in the gospel. But they were faithful to him even in his imprisonment. You've got to be a great friend when the times are good and when the times are bad. You've got to be a great spouse when times are good and when times are bad, when things are free or when it feels like you're in prison, when everything's going for you and when everything's going against you. You've got to be a great parent when your kids make good choices and when they make bad choices. You've got to be a great boss when your employees listen and when they don't listen. You've got to be a great employee when your boss sucks or when your boss is great. Whether you're free or whether you're in prison, you've got to learn to stick by people because God sticks with you. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I'm a jacked up person, and I've messed up a whole lot in my life. But there is one who is faithful to stick with me when everything's good and when I'm a good or when I'm bad and everything's terrible. There is one who sticks with me no matter what. And because he sticks with me no matter what, I can stick with other people because he is sticking with them as well through me. See, I am reflective of who God is to them. I, my life has to reflect Christ because I'm a servant of Christ. Therefore, I am faithful. I am loyal. I have to be that for other people. And here Paul is expressing that gratitude because you know what it's like when people aren't faithful to you. And you know what it's like when people aren't loyal to you. And you know what it's like when everybody likes you when things are good and nobody likes you when things are bad. The same people that 
will praise you when things are great are the same people that will condemn you when things are bad. Because people are fickle and they don't reflect the faithfulness of Christ. And Paul says, I, I commend you and I'm so grateful for you because of your faithfulness to me in my freedom and in my imprisonment. See, it, it, the same thing happened with Jesus. Remember the same crowd that was yelling on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter, the week before his death, they were yelling, praise him, praise God in the highest, Hosanna. They were praising Jesus as he walked in. They threw palm branches down and their coats down in front of them as a sign of, of honor. And, and they were worshiping him were the same voices that were yelling, crucify him a one week later. See, they were with him when things were great, but when, it was, when things were bad, and they were looking bad for Jesus. They threw him under the bus. And you know what that's like for you. And Paul says he's grateful for them because the opposite was true for these folks. They stuck with him through thick and thin. And that's what God calls us to do as humans, is to reflect him to humanity, to be faithful, to be a great friend, to be a great spouse, a great parent, a great boss, a great employee, a great whatever, to be a great human. And so he says, it's right for me to think this way about you guys, because this is who you've been to me. And, and then he goes on. He says, for God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And I pray this, that your love will keep growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I'm going to read that again because it's a little deep and I want to break it down for you because it, it changes the script a lot on the way that we often approach spiritual growth. I'm going to read it again. You ready? It says, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Why? So that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We often think that spiritual growth is either or. It's, it's, we either present it in a way that is information only, so it's either information or it's love. And it's very practically walked out. In other words, I, and this is a fact, to grow in spiritual growth is to grow in love. The result of spiritual growth is growing in love. But the problem is that we disassociate love from knowledge. When here, Paul equates the two and says that you cannot have one without the other. But they both go hand in hand. And, and, and what's interesting about that is we have, in progressive Christianity, we have corrected the either of informative discipleship or growing in knowledge about God, we have, and, and equating that to loving God, we have, we have moved and corrected the either to the or. So we've now shifted from informational growing in Christ to more of a 
transformational growing in Christ. And I use that transformational loosely because I don't believe you can actually achieve true transformation by this only. However, we've moved to this idea or this concept that we don't need information about God in order to grow in love. What we need to do is simply feel good and feel love and be out in the world and loving humanity without the meat, without the information that used to dominate our Bible study, our Sunday school, our church experience. Now the experience goes, it has moved from information to feeling. So now we have really focused on this idea, this concept of feeling love from God and acting that love out toward other people. When And then we, what we do is we focus so much on the practice of it that we miss out on the information of it. And we used to practice so much on the information of it that we missed out on the practice of it. And, and, and we put the focus on the information or we put the focus on the application. But what we miss is the subject of the information and the source of the application. The focus was it is, and it will have to be Jesus and Jesus alone for us to be able to grow in, in, in spiritual knowledge and in spiritual love. In order to grow spiritually in love, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. It is not either information or application. It is both information and application. So we have faultily moved from either or instead of realizing it's both and. Paul here, Paul says, I, it, I, I need you to know this. I pray this for you. This is my prayer for you, that you continue to grow in love through the knowledge and discernment of Christ Jesus, that, 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 that you may approve that which is superior, that you may be blameless and full of righteousness when the end comes. See, it, he says you grow in love, how? Through knowledge and and discernment. I want you to grow in love. I want you to grow in application. That's the goal. The goal is application, but you will always apply love wrong without the grounding of information. You first take the information and then use it for application, but you are trying to apply a theory that you have no information about because the information is about someone and you have now taken the focus off of someone and put it on the end or the basis. You have no foundation to apply something from. But you also can not only worry about the foundation with no structure built upon it to apply it to. So you either have all foundation or only application, and you have to have both. And both are grounded and rooted in who Jesus is. In order to love others well, you have to love Jesus well. And in order to love Jesus well, you have to know something about him. It's not all about learning the Bible. And it's not all about trying to apply truths in the Bible. Because you can't apply truth without first knowing truth. But it's no good to know truth unless you apply truth. And this is where the rubber meets the road. See, relationship with God, relationship with Jesus, the goal of growing in love, is, 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 is really not about, I read my Bible today, I prayed today, I did this today. It's not a checklist. It's not about how many Bible verses you learn. It's not about all the theological doctrines you know. 
It's not even about getting all that right. It's not about knowing what rules to follow and what rules don't matter anymore because you live in a different time period. It's not about knowing those things. It's not about the knowledge. It's also not about love everybody, love everybody, love everybody. Everybody is right. Nobody's wrong. Let's just love everybody. And there's no grounding at all. Like, it's not just about that. Because that's all well and good until it's conflicting. Because both people can't be right. You, you have to draw, uh, you have to have some type of structure somewhere. And so there is a balance between the two. And although it's not about reading your Bible every single day as a checklist, you cannot apply what you have not first learned. You have to dig into the truth in order to grow in love, in order to apply that love. And I think that we have tried to overcorrect over the past decade in the church, in the world, we have tried to correct the information-based relationship with God so much so that we have become fully an application-based relationship with God when God says, how can you apply what you have not yet learned? And so we can't swing the pendulum so far that we forget about the balance of holding the truth and love together as a unified way of having a relationship with God. It is, what does he say, growing in love, how? Through knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and discernment. You grow in love, the goal is application, but you do that first through information, through knowledge, and then the middle of their ground is discernment. Discernment of knowing that balance of both and. The discernment of being able to know what is right here from what is wrong here. Allow The discernment of knowing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, not the pizza I had for dinner last night. Not the feelings. Let me make it not so funny, but make it really practical to you and, and helpful to you. Knowing that the Spirit is telling me to do this or respond this way right now. Not the feelings of my hurt inside, not the feelings of unforgiveness that I'm feeling, not the feelings of defeat from the circumstances that surrounded me, not the feelings from 2020, but the hope of what's going on in the future. See, it's not just about all the bad things that have happened. They get to determine how I respond. The goal is the both and, which takes information and growing in love of application, puts them together so that I can make a great discernment of what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do that's grounded in both truth and love. We can't throw the baby out with the water. We can't just sit there and, and, and throw everything out. There was meat there in information. It wasn't all bones. But it's not all meat in application because you have no substance to apply. And so it takes both. It is important to pray to God and have relationship with him. It is important to read the Bible. I'm not saying you have to read it every day. What I'm saying is when you do read it, don't read it to read it. Read it with intentionality that God will speak to your soul. And he will because the Bible is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is alive. It has application and truth for you to apply to your life. Life today, But when I know who God is and I know who I should be by looking at the life of Jesus in Scripture, when I read the Bible and understand it correctly, I then have truth and the discernment to be able to apply that truth practically in the world around me, which changes the world, which allows me to grow in love. And I think it's beautiful the way Paul opens up this letter, expressing gratitude. And he says, I have a prayer for you. And my prayer is that you will continue to grow in love and that you'll do that, that you'll apply love 
through discernment and knowledge, understanding that there is a foundation that must be laid that cannot be apart from the application, but they all work synergetically together in order to transform the world around you, which in turn transforms you. I hope that was challenging to you today. We're going to pick right back up following that as we continue on this study of Philippians. And I pray that it blesses you and I pray that you'll be changed by it, that you don't just learn from it, but that you apply it into your life and let it transform the way that you walk and the way that you live to transform the world around you. Thank you so much, Aaron, for that awesome message. Hopefully you were able to gain some insight from it and apply it to your lives. We just want to take a moment right now to talk about something very exciting coming in 2021. We want to partner with the local church to transform the world. And we want to create Bible study curriculum that's already in the works that is for every person in the church. The church studies it together. The pastor preaches sermons that are aligned with that Bible study curriculum. Groups meet and discuss that Bible study curriculum together. And there are also video sessions that go along with it. We want to equip the local church to grow in the same direction spiritually together while also growing the church numerically together as we encourage participants on how to share their faith. And we believe it's going to make a huge difference in the world because it makes a difference in the local church as we come alongside and partner with your pastor. So how can you help? Prayer, partnership, and publicity. Publicity. So please be in prayer for Fresh Faith. It is, it is the most important work that you can do. And also, if you could partnership with us, if you could partner with us financially, if you can partner with us by giving the materials out that you have um, received thus far, and publicity. If you could share this on your social media, share it with your local pastor. Let them know what Fresh Faith is coming out with, curriculum for their churches to grow them, their congregants spiritually, and their church numerically. It is going to be something that is vital for them as a pastor, something that is important that they're going to really love. And you, as a member or somebody who attends the local church, can gain so much from so you can check that out at freshfaith.org. Keep keep um, checking it out and, and knowing when it's going to be released so that you can talk with your local pastor and get the word out and the message out and they can get these materials. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We want to pray with and for you today. We believe that prayer has the power to change absolutely everything. The Bible says that we can cast all of our care upon God because he cares for us. If you have a specific need you want us to pray for, please text us at 252-499-0128. Again, that's 252-499-0128. Let's pray together.